The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. All right, so dukkha, this huge continuum from mild to severe, distress, upset, to teeny tiny irritation felt in the body. Dukkha is actually a symptom or a response. It's, um, if you get ill, you have a symptom that helps you know you're ill. Dukkha is a symptom. The second noble truth is the cause or the illness, the cause of the symptom, the first. The second noble truth is called the cause of suffering, which is essentially tanha in Pali or clinging and craving. But it's, it's, it's not a simple desire. There can be very wholesome desires. It is a... Um, addictive, compulsive, strong feeling. And sometimes we're so familiar with it, like reaching for a piece of candy or something else. We're not even really aware of how compulsive it is. It's just, you know, natural in a way. But if you start to resist that urge, you notice it. Yeah? Anybody here feel that urge? (laughs) And the difficulty of resisting? So... This actually, this this grasping, this compulsion, this um, you know clinging is what is causing the first truth. Make sense? So we have a a reaction or a symptom, then we figure out the cause, and that's kind of how life works, right? Like. Oh, my car is running funny. I have to figure out what. So you have a symptom, and then you figure out what it is. This is sort of a lot of how things go, right? Things aren't quite working right, and then we have to figure out what it is. There's some sort of symptom, and then we figure out what the cause is. So I just, this is really important, because we often confuse these two. We often conflate. I do it. I was thinking about it after my talk last week. I kept mixing them up, because they're really you know, the two sides of the same coin and very connected in that way. But I think it's really helpful to me to really think about it this way. Is it making sense to you all? The third truth, which we'll talk about tonight, is the absence of dukkha or the ending of dukkha. And that, too, is actually a symptom. And it's, a re, you know, it's the a symptom... from the absence of the second, the absence of clinging. Dukkha ends when we stop grabbing on. And then the fourth truth, which we'll talk about next week, is the Eightfold Path, the way to the end of suffering. This is the way to the end of suffering. And that is a cause of the absence of Dukkha as well. So, these are the four truths. And they are taught, actually, um, as a way to navigate life, practice life, and to move toward freedom, to engage with them, to utilize the experience of dukkha can be related to, like, a messenger. Knock, knock, knock. Tanya. 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 
louder, louder, Tanya, open the door, look what's going on, right? And this is kind of what happens is often dukkha starts kind of small and then it gets bigger and bigger as we're fighting and arguing and in, in struggle with the reality of life, of what's going on or what we want. And the, the, the craving gets stronger, so the dukkha gets stronger, right? The, the clinging, the grasping. All right, and then let's come back to what we're going to talk about tonight, and then we're going to shift into the guided meditation, which is this third truth, the end of suffering. I, w- I just want you to feel into a moment t- t- this possibility. The end of suffering. I was thinking about this, and I just, it's an incredibly profound thing to be talking about and thinking about. So, with that, let's find our bodies. Feel your body. Give your body to the earth. Let your spine support a feeling of uplift. If you'd like with me, my pattern is to take a deep breath and bring my shoulders up toward my ears. And you can squeeze them. And when you're ready, you can exhale and invite the shoulders to roll back and down. Oh, my goodness. Never fails. I get a chill. So just letting yourself settle into this body that you happen to be wearing, be carried by, be made a companion with, feeling it here, and maybe just checking in with it. How are you, body? Just a little scanning through and noticing how we're feeling tonight. What we're feeling tonight. And you might, as you do so, notice if there's any arguments, (laughs) any wanting it different than it is. I want to be more relaxed. I want to be more upright. I want to be more awake. I want to be feeling better. I don't want to be uncomfortable. And then just see those things. Just see them and feel. And bring care to whatever experience you're having right here, right now. Maybe breathing right through the middle of everything. 
any thought, any response, any sensation. Just letting the breath become there with you, with whatever's happening. And if you're feeling maybe extra tense or stress, you might try with the inhale saying to yourself, breathing in, I calm my body. Not efforting anything, just sort of like an invitation. And with the exhale... Breathing out, I calm my mind. And I like this because with the inhale, breathing in, I calm my body, we're actually giving our body, nourishing our brain, our organs with oxygen. And with the exhale, breathing out, I calm my mind. Where it's an opportunity for relaxing, for letting go. And you can use this for the whole meditation if it supports you. Breathing in, I calm my body. Breathing out, I calm my mind. With that exhale, landing back in your body again, over and over. At the end of that exhale, maybe noticing if there's any increased sense of ease or well-being. Any lessening of dukkha. And just Let yourself open into that, receive it, breathe into it with the next inhale if you like.
taking a minute to feel your body and reorient and again noticing the impact of your practice Did anyone experience the absence or the lessening of suffering, the lessening of dukkha? Yay, yay, yeah. Up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah. So the... Just a couple more things to say about the first two truths. About tanha, really. About this compulsive, addictive, craving, urging. What do you think? What do you think causes... I'm going to get the mics in a second. What do you think causes us or drives us from a Buddhist perspective if you have any idea to want something different or more of it what are the forces anybody willing to say Greg hold on let's get the mic to you I'm going to bring the mic over Greg so when you're done talking it's helpful to just push the the green button. Now it's turned off. Now it's turned on. Magic. If only we could do that with uh, yeah. <laughs> suffering. <laughs> uh, people can hear me? Yes. Yeah. One thing that just popped into my mind is um, I think it can be a bad thing, but comparison, sometimes mm-hmm. our brains are wired to like comparing ourselves to others and what people have that we don't have. And so yeah. in that respect, it's, it's harder to accept what is in situations. Yeah. Anybody else feel that? Yeah. Okay, Greg. Thank you. Any other thoughts, experiences, insights? And it's still on good. The thought that came to my mind is you want to be happy. Mm. And surely whatever it is you're craving mm. will give you that. Then you'll be happy. Mm. And everything will be okay. Yeah. My mom's comment was like, oh, we'll, ju- we'll just get this done and then everything will be okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I think we all, well, not we all, but um, sometimes we have a vision of what we think our lives should be. And when we're not there, we're dissatisfied and we, we grab out to try to fix it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, these are perfect examples and, you know, getting what we don't want and getting what we, um, not getting what we want, right? And this sort of, um, 
really underneath kind of the way this, these are like manifestations you guys described of the forces of greed, hatred, and delusion. Right? These energies of wanting and not wanting, greed, wanting, not wanting, hatred, or aversion, coupled with delusion. The idea that we can make something go away, or we can make it stay, or we can get more of it, we want to create it, make it happen. Greed, hatred, and delusion. Under kind of our energies that are underneath all of the causes of our clinging. So when we don't have greed, hatred, and delusion, guess what we don't have? Dukkha. (laughs) No suffering with the absence of greed, hatred, and delusion. So this third noble truth is about a mind that's freed, a mind that's changed by the absence of this relentless wanting and not wanting. Gregory Kramer calls it a hunger. And as this hunger diminishes, as there's this absence of wanting, wanting, and not wanting, not wanting, and some deluded belief that we can make these things the way we want them to be, and when that, that sort of that hunger diminishes, something comes up in its place. And it's a feeling, you know, this emergence of well-being. And from that flows loving-kindness and compassion and mudita, that sympathetic joy and equanimity. From that flows these heavenly states of being. So... Any lessening of the hungers, any lessening that we can do, any level of letting go supports us moving toward these state, the state of freedom, a mind freed from these forces. It's very helpful. I said this once before earlier in the class, but there was a Thai forest monk, Ajahn Chah, and he was famous for saying, let go a little, um, get a little peace, let go a lot, get more peace, get lo- completely let go and have complete peace. Let's move in that direction. It sounds good, right? Here's a quote from um, Stephen Cettini from a book called The Sense of Belonging. They wrote, he wrote, The Buddha taught for many years, but the Dharma he explained wasn't about acquiring knowledge. It was about changing the mind. Changing the mind. And it doesn't take a lifetime of study. Right? We all practice as we learn. Practice as we learn. And it's we learn the practice to practice. Not to think about it, but to practice. 
So I mentioned kind of earlier this, this, this it's such a profound thing to think about this absence of greed, hatred, and delusions, this absence of suffering. Bless you. And so maybe if you're willing, we can pass the mics around again. And do you have a word or an image to describe what freedom feels like for you? What ease feels like for you? What the absence of suffering feels like for you? What is it, you know, like for me, I'll give you mine, which is this feeling of laying back in a warm ocean on a sunny day on a blow-up raft with the waves just gently tickling and splashing and cooling me a little bit. And my body is just completely supported by the salt water, the buoyancy and the float and the warmth. The sun is kissing me and the sounds are just so delightful. That's, for me, an image that I go to that helps me connect with that feeling of letting go a feeling of not want I don't contentment, you know, well being. Anyone else have a story, an image, a word? Moments you've got you you have them. You have them. Small moments maybe, sometimes a little longer, but what are those moments feel like? Great, Mike. Thank you, Sveta. So I, um, when I'm thinking about that, I, I'm reminded of a retreat experience where it just is very peaceful. Um, you know, there were things to do, but there was no rush. There was no pressure. Mm-hmm. Um it was just a um, sense of, of being there and, and being totally engaged with whatever was happening. Mm. Wow. Wow, right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a pretty beautiful experience. Anyone else willing to share? Sure. Had this feeling just last it's on. Yeah. I had this feeling just last night. Um, had very my feet are always cold, but I have something called a bed jet, which blows warm air into your bed. Ooh. Usually, I have meetings that start in the morning at six thirty or seven a.m. Yeah. This morning, nothing until noon. So I got into my bed last night with my cold toes and my warm bed jet, keeping my feet warm, knowing that I could sleep until nine if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Just and my mother had sent me these beautiful um, pillowcases for Christmas, <laughs> and so I was just relaxing on my wonderful spa pillows that she also got for me with my eye mask on, just knowing oh, I have warm feet, I can sleep as long as I want. Ah, mm. oh, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was just heaven. Nice, thank you, Cindy. Oh. 
I guess the image that came to me is just um, hiking in the redwoods. That's mm. the place I find the most peace is kind of mm. on my own, you know, out there in the forest and the sounds of the trees and leaves under your feet and all that. So, yeah, that's that's my happy place <laughs> where nothing else. I don't have anything to do except just be there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, these, these kinds of experiences can happen in a different way. They can happen when the mind just stops doing all this craziness. And it doesn't matter whether we have the air jet or the water raft or, you know. And, and sometimes being in these places in nature and comfortable, you know, they, they, we have this glimpse of this feeling of ease, of not not being in contention with what's happening. With um oh, Sveta, you gonna say or no? You just yeah, say. I'm just thinking of sitting in the kitchen. Don't need to do anything. Just have a cup of tea. Yeah. And all the time. <laughs> yeah. By myself. Yeah. And time stops. Yeah. Mm. Time stops. That's a nice marker. You know, just knowing when you're not, when you're disconnected from that kind of tick-tock. <laughs> what next? What next? You know, where do I have to be? Where do I not want to go? It's very helpful to orient toward ease in your life. To create space, you know, and and um, to know the difference between ease and relaxation. What's the difference between ease and relaxation? Any thoughts? Here's a here's a mic. <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> um, just briefly, I feel like the connotations in, are a bit different societally. Like maybe ease is something that's acquired. Like I happen to be a distance runner, and when I train over the course of months, the same run feels much easier than it used to. So that's just one analogy that the perception is different that it's easier but relaxation feels like it has to be earned like you can't like i could feel perfectly relaxed right now but if i'm just not productive in the so-called societal work day of nine to five i feel like i'm falling behind and i can't relax no matter how hard i try so it's it's definitely something with 
the brain that's mm-hmm. that goes on. So that's just my um, my stab at it. Thank you. Yeah. It's a nice stab. <laughs> so ease to me would be in harmony with the flow of things, the, the flow of life. Mm-hmm. And then relaxation is just maybe taking a step back or just, you know, relaxing into. I don't, I don't know. That's nice. Great. Yeah, ease seems to be theoretically something you could do at any time, even if things were crazy and you were doing a bunch of stuff. You mm-hmm. could still be at ease, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Whereas relaxed seems to be more a doing. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, I am relaxing my body. I am not doing X, Y, or Z. It's more, it seems more active, and the conditions have to be right for it, to my mind. Great. These are great, great contributions to this kind of query. And I would invite you all to do your own personal research, <laughs> you know, meaning turn toward your experience and see if you can't play with this. But I'll give you an offering around this. Um, relaxation has more to do with the lessening of tension and stress. So... Um, yeah, it's the kind of, and it's really actually quite helpful during meditation to consciously relax. So just, this is not to diminish relaxation. It's very important. Ease has more to do with an inner sense of peace and harmony that exists without reference to tension. You know, it's, it's, it's more in the flow of life like you were offering. So we can be at ease in very difficult situations. So we, you know, their body may still be reacting with some stress and tension, but we can still be at ease there in the middle of it. So relaxing is relief, perhaps, and ease is a state of being more. Yeah. So when this third truth is taught, it's also often taught in reference to true freedom, liberation, full liberation. We can think about it in the short term, in the momentary sense of a relief for the ending of suffering or dukkha. And we can also think about it in this bigger context of liberation or freedom. What happens when I bring up the idea of liberation or awakening? Do you believe it's possible? Do you feel like you don't even want to think about it? You're like, what are you talking about? That has nothing to do with me. You're thinking, I've been spending my whole life wanting to get liberated. What is it that comes up for you? Where's that mic? Do you mind saying your name too? I should before you speak. Yeah, hi, I'm Gilbert. Um, yeah, it sounds liberation sounds like something you can have. At least to me, it feels like it can be fleeting, but hard to 
be permanent. It's hard to imagine you reaching liberation and it mm-hmm. <laughs> being permanent. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Kelly, you want to say anything? Yes, I agree. You agree? Mm-hmm. Hard to imagine it being permanent. Mm-hmm. Anyone else want to share? Great, we take it, Cindy. I think you might have just turned it off. Yeah. Back on. Ah, the ice cream cone. Got it. I'm not sure that I want the liberation. I think about it. I think it was Thich Nhat Hanh who talks about um, the mosquito bite. What, or, you know, you have the mosquito bite. What is, do you want to give up the, the pleasure of being able to scratch the mosquito bite? Yes, you have the suffering from the itching, but then the scratching feels so good. It's the same with all of the different sufferings that we have, right? You, you're hungry, you want food, you crave it, and then you get food, and it's so wonderful. I love <laughs> it's the satisfaction of some of those, um, some of the suffering, the satisfaction of it the, is so, such a pleasure, such a part of living that, mm-hmm. I, yes, absolutely, would I love to have the ease that you talk about, and mm-hmm. to have, that would be, mm-hmm. that sounds heavenly, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure I'm willing to give that up mm-hmm. at the expense of mm-hmm. also giving up the pleasure of satisfying some of the mm-hmm. um suffering or desires okay that's it yep that's a really important um kind of thing to think about and to notice because you're certainly not alone or we a lot of us would be working a lot harder to get liberated you know where there's a it's pretty enchanting this uh tanha thing and then the temporary fulfillment of these sense cravings you know anyone have a a different perspective on that one? Any thoughts about that? Um, I really appreciate your comments, Cindy. I, I think I uh, feel extremely similarly. Um, I guess something that I was thinking is like that liberation might be more of a practice. So even in those moments where you're satisfying some, um, you know, like urge or desire, like the practice of experiencing that with gratitude and enjoyment, the way that you're describing to me sounds like, uh, characteristics of a, like liberated maybe, um, or just at least very fulfilling life. So, um, I also enjoy being alive. (laughs) Even as I was saying that and thinking that and kind of, hearing your appreciation of that, I realize like our ability to enjoy those things is very much an aspect of living a really privileged life where it's very much within my reach to satisfy pretty much any craving that I might have. Right. So I I do wonder if maybe having this very privileged life is in some ways a barrier to (laughs) being able to find liberation because Honestly, if you have the means to satisfy a lot of your suffering, there's you you no longer have the desire to get out of it. But I also like the framing of it as, you know, 
enjoy uh, feeling the gratitude for the things that I have, which I do regularly now. And the older I get, the more gratitude I feel for the sun on my face, you know, <laughs> the delicious oatmeal that I have for breakfast or whatever. Okay, Mike. Michael behind you wants to share something. Uh, yeah, that kind of reminded me of uh, like the Buddha's uh, origin story and how he's a prince and he feels very like trapped in his like castle and uh, and he wants to like leave. But his father is like giving him all these things, like the worldly uh, possessions. But he ends up leaving anyway because there's like a greater, like freedom there. Um, and to the question, I guess, uh, I mean, I, I do think that it's possible. And sometimes, like as I've meditated for years now, um, and it's gotten deeper, I can feel things kind of like fall away and uh it is it, it feels better than like regular mm-hmm. pleasures i guess if you, if you want to like compare them but um mm-hmm. i i wouldn't like give that up for anything like mm-hmm. just the feeling of that the feeling of just like not even like feeling yourself sometimes just like just kind of falling away it is uh really great so yeah yeah and this is what the buddha taught right that there is a pleasure that is beyond sense pleasures that is deep and amazing and um it's a a freedom from you know what these this energy of of greed and the misfortune of being um privileged is that the greed can go and go and go, and we don't start. We, we we can be missing how much we're being driven by it, because there's no barriers to. We're not having to experience the absence of getting what we want, and it's when we start to slow down, or when we start to experience that we can't get these things, that we start to feel, like I said, that not reaching for the cookie that you want to reach for, or not reaching for that thing. And you start to see if you've just been going, getting, getting, eating, eating, you know, like I, I don't mean just food, I just mean like pleasure. And you can't, you, you, the, the momentum is huge. Momentum is huge. And then the suffering is huge that follows. And the, the way it spreads and grows to so many things in our lives that just can really consume us. Because we start to consume others. We start to consume attention. We start to consume life instead of maybe receive it. Allow it to live through us and to experience it, you know. There's a way of being the cookie monster. Right? (laughs) And then there's a way of being more in this posture of receiving allowing receiving all this subtle simple life expression and and non-harming like that's when we get hungry we start to harm 
ourselves or others often. Richard, do you want to add? So I thought I'd just make a comment and uh, sort of maybe pose a reflection on liberation. What is that exactly? Right? And so we might all have these ideas about what that is, like the Buddha awakened and became liberated, which seems like a pretty high bar for most of us, right? And and I think what happens often is we we miss moments of liberation, a sense of freedom from the dukkha. And one of the things that I think if you practice long enough, you start to recognize that being in the present moment fully, right then, here and now, that direct experience is a type of liberation. You know, and then to really allow ourselves to sort of rest in that and not cling to it particularly, or, you know, it can get a little bit... Anyway, that's just a thought that came up. Yeah, it's a great thought, and it's a good one to my next sort of... Um, this... Um, Well, maybe I'll just leave it be. And let's move into breakout groups. Let's move into groups of three or four. And I'll give you a question. Please, you know, circle up and share your name. And maybe share your experience coming to IMC. Like, I've been here once. I've been here however many months or years. So, you know, in exploring um, what motivates you to suffer less or how motivated are you? It's, um, it's actually an important thing to question and to be connecting with because it's part of what will help motivate you to practice and to show up. And because it's easy to ignore our suffering... It's also really helpful to start to prioritize noticing it. And we can start to notice smaller and smaller ways that we're grasping and experiencing discontent and, you know, ways that we haven't really been paying attention to but are there. And this idea of relaxing, which is more a conscious effort, can be very, very helpful when we don't have the automatic connection to ease. But it's also really nice to notice and take in when we do find ourselves at ease. When we do go to get dinner out of the refrigerator and what we were going to eat is gone and it's fine. You know? When that craving to have a taco that's been kind of bugging you and bugging you and bugging you dissipates, it's kind of a relief without having to get the taco. 
so starting to be curious about what's creating the dukkha in your life, noticing the dukkha, not because, you know, we're some, um, you know, we're sort of masochistic or something and we want to suffer, but actually if we have this tremendous respect for the fact that if there's a disease and we have a symptom, and it's important to know that we have the symptom of the disease, right? Because there is a cure for this disease. There is freedom from this. It, it can really help us stay on the path. It can really help us stay present and not become hungry ghosts or cookie monsters gobbling up life and inadvertently harming others or ourselves. And we'll talk more next week about this noble eightfold path, which is the way to end suffering and how we engage with life in a noble way, in a beautiful way that's a commitment to non-harming, movement toward freedom. So I, I hope you learned something about yourself and your relationship to craving and desire and suffering. I hope you learned something that will help you tune into yourself, to your experience in a little different way. A little different way. And I have come to really feel like the experience of dukkha is noticing it is like it makes me happy it makes me happy and it makes me happy because i know i have a choice in the next moment to engage with life in a way that leads toward more freedom if i want to so my wish for you all is to Jump for joy when you get the tap on your shoulder that helps you remember that you can move in a direction that's toward freedom instead of away from it. May we all jump for joy and everybody we meet jump for joy at the opportunity to be free from the forces of greed, hatred, and delusion. Wouldn't this be a good world with less of this? Thank you. Sweet dreams, and thank you for your practice.